Hello and welcome back to the Bendy and Philby show. As always, I'm Bendy and sitting to my left, he doesn't care about 47% of the country, it's Phil Bowerly. <laughs> oh, uh, I don't, whatever. <laughs> Just so everyone knows, that comment was made in jest, but it's totally true. 47% of the country will not vote for Philby. <laughs> so we're going to start tonight by talking about The Walking Dead. This Walking Dead, in the prison, uh, Rick and the crew find some prisoners and find that they're alive while they're fixing up uh, Herschel. And I was kind of surprised that Rick let them live, even from the get-go, because the past episode, he was very much kill or be killed as long as I protect the baby. And I thought the perfect opportunity to kill or be killed would be against prisoners, yet he let them live. Yeah, and he even have Laurie telling him to be a stone-cold killer, telling him to handle his business with them. Yeah, and it's just like with Shane, how she was the one who kind of put him over the edge and was like, he needs to be gone. Now, did you see it coming with, uh, I'm not sure of his name or if they ever mentioned it, the Latino guy who's kind of the ringleader. Did you see that coming when he would kill him? Before any of that happened, first impression, did you see it coming that Rick would eventually kill him? He's a wild, oh, he was a big-time wild card. Charlie Day. He was cutting off breaks. Cutting off breaks. Big-time wild card. And, yeah, I thought, and the way he was aggressive towards Rick and just even from the initial moments, yeah, I thought he would be done. I wanted to get into this uh, graphic that our good friend and frequent guest Neil Johnson sent us, and it's the title of his every episode of The Walking Dead, and a small sliver is great introduction, usually about something that happens just after or before the outbreak. I'd argue that this week is the best example of that first part, because it's just the prisoners, after they've ha- like hacked off Herschel's leg, just staring at Herschel's leg as they go back out shooting zombies. So I'd say that follows that pretty well. Now, confirm or debate... The next part of it is about 50% is nothing happens. Which I disagree with on this one. I think they there was more action to this one than there has been, especially compared to season two, the middle of season two. Right, I'd say this is more like season two, at least for this graph, whereas nothing would happen. Just because it was You mean non- the graph represents season two more than it does... Right, at least so far for, so season far three. for season three. I mean, right? who knows what we'll see. Right. I would imagine they would keep going with the... Uh, direction that they're going. The next part is a small sliver, about 1%. Uh, it's in green, and the title is, Someone Does Something Incredibly Stupid. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, it's Carl. I mean, you could just say that's Carl or Lori. Right. Typically, and, 90% of the time, it was one of those two. Right. And Carl does something incredibly stupid. He goes and breaks in to get the medical supplies that they didn't even really need. Well, they did need. They did need to close up that wound. The bleeding had already stopped. Right, but I mean, it's it just was a part of the drama that they're... It's not like there are other able-bodied people that could have helped him. I mean, he right. grows his hair long and suddenly he thinks right. he's an outlaw. And, and knows how to shoot a gun better, and yeah, so it was... The next small portion is about... I'm not keeping up on my math here, so don't, so don't add these up. Uh, it's about 20%, it's gray. The title is, Holy Shit, Zombies. <laughs> Which did happen. Which I'd say it's a bigger faction for this episode. We'll, uh, we'll keep coming back to this graph. The next, uh, about 40% of it is in pink. Why do I continue to watch this show? Because <laughs> it gets real slow at that point. Uh, we, we asked this very question last season. Uh, we were awarded for it because the third season has been great. And in the blue is the last about 5% crazy-ass cliffhanger ending. And now I have to watch the next episode. 
what was the cliffhanger, do you think, for this episode? Uh, I guess just kind of them leaving the two prisoners that were left. Leaving the two prisoners on that ward, and also just how, how, um, I call, I always blank on her name, Sophia's mom, is it Cheryl, maybe? Uh, how she did with the zombie corpse that she wanted to practice. Uh, right, she's doing the cesarean on him. The C-section on the zombie corpse. Yeah, cesarean section on, right. I guess that was the cliff, uh, cliffhanger for this one. Was yeah, so I guess they're kind of foreboding. Herschel's life in the mix of whether he's going to survive or not. And also that whole action, that whole scene where Laurie was giving him CPR and he spins back to life. He pulled a sandlot. He yeah. pulled a Wendy uh, peppercorn on them. <laughs> they, were, they were expecting him to come back as a zombie, but he ended up surviving. Give her a smooch and passed right back out. Exactly, exactly. So it was... <laughs> so I guess the three cliffhangers that we should be expecting throughout maybe the next episode, perhaps the season, is the fate of Lori's baby, Herschel's life hanging in the balance, and the prisoner's... Or the state of the prison. Well, and don't forget... Well, I mean, uh, there's still lots about, of prison that's unexplored, I guess. What about well. Andrea and... Michonne. Michonne. I that's guess they weren't even really shown in this episode, but I guess they showed in the preview. They've teased that the two come to clash. And I guess that's the character of the governor that everyone's been looking forward to kind of takes them in. And I guess they eventually... I think they, they, they all come full circle with the group at some point, I guess is what we should be expecting. The groups combined, yeah. Now, like we said, this third season has been pretty much all action all the time. Do you think this is what the show should keep doing? It's no, it's impossible to sustain. Now, well, now, what do you think is a good balance, though? Because I mean, last last season, it was just them kind of sitting around on the farm the whole time. Yeah, it was a horror drama. A drama at that point, it was too much. Um, but if if you had an unlimited budget, though, not whether what you think it should or shouldn't be, what do you? If you could run the show any way that you wanted to, how would it be? Uh, Would you have it be like these first two, where it's just little talk, all action? That's what people are tuning in to see. Right, right. They're tuning in more for the action than they are for the talk, and I th- that's what... I haven't met one person who says, I really enjoy the drama uh, in Walking I'm Dead. I'm so happy when Laurie speaks and when Carl rebels. Yeah, I was really happy. There were really less zombies, and just more <laughs> of the drama that I like to see. <laughs> so ever since they canceled As the World Turns, this has been my replacement. Um, I have not heard anyone say that, but... They're playing a lot to the comic book and the video game playing crowd, and I think, I bet, I've, I haven't read any comics. Have you read the comics? Uh, no, I, I go online and compare after a couple episodes. If there's a character I don't know about, I'll read. Like last week when we read about Herschel and uh, the other character that they compared to. Right. I, I think, I think, uh, I don't know, it's just... They're trying to make the story different for the comic book readers, and I think they're losing some of the inspiration in that. So you think they should kind of branch off more on their own and experiment? Right. And That's kind of interesting. I, I know you never watched the show Dexter, or have you? I have not. I won't outline the plot from here, but it's, it kind of went along the same lines, but I think they should do what Dexter did. Because Dexter is a show that uh, the first season was based on the very first book in a series of books. And then the book went its separate ways and did its own thing. And the show went its separate ways. And the show has been much better than any of the books. Which, I'm not putting anything down in the Walking Dead comics, but they could definitely branch out and just do whatever they want. They have this whole big world to do whatever. And it's and the other benefit that they have is that the author of the comics is also the one of the main producers of the show. Right. And so he can be full control of the balance. Now maybe it could be something like 
I agree with the budgetary limits that AMC has for the show that the prison's a good storyline to follow, but maybe just explore, I don't know, elsewhere, see what else has happened. I mean, they've, get they, they've been group. around the Atlanta area for two and a half seasons. Get another group, and I mean, the biggest mistake they made was not doing the original second series opener, second season opener. Now, would you like to define this a little bit for the listeners who uh, haven't read the link? That they hired in the be- at the what was it in the very beginning of season one? Rick ends up in a tank and kills a zombie inside the tank, and they ended up hiring a f- famous actor. I don't know if he was super famous. He was more of a well-known actor. He wasn't just he's a body just double a stand in, right? He's not somebody they paid five thousand bucks and let him keep a T-shirt, you know. Um, and they had a whole plot of following that man before he became a zombie and how the army was overrun and how Atlanta fell and military bases fell and they scrapped that idea due to budgetary reasons. That would be that was the first mistake they made. Yeah, I think that was, this was the original season two opener and the other thing they said was that it was gonna be a parallel story as Atlanta fell how the other survivors came to be where they were, because they don't really have much backstory uh, throughout the series. So it would be this group of soldiers trying to maintain the city and eventually failing, leading to that man as a zombie in the tank with all them around them and the characters before they meet up with Rick and Lori and Shane. Right. right. So that definitely would have been cool. And like Philby said, they hired a well-known actor to play that zombie because they had that whole story in mind. But then they fired their showrunner right before season two started. Right. So that's a pity. But if you'd like to see that, that's uh, the whole plot outline of that episode is on Ain't It Cool. If you do a quick Google search, you can find it on there. Now, if you follow our Twitter feed or you live in the city of Pittsburgh or around it or are friends with anyone who does, who has social media, you'll know that Bruce Springsteen, a.k.a. The Boss, was in town last night. Uh, my fiance and I were lucky enough to get tickets from my parents. Philby, you lucked in t- tickets last minute, huh? I did. I was lucky enough to go with my friend at Nicole Miller. She, I don't know if that's a real Twitter name. She uh, got tickets from her parents because they weren't able to make it, and it was an epic show to be able to attend with her. Now, you've never even seen a concert of that magnitude, have you? I have not. The closest I came to was The Wall, uh, Rogers Waters, The Wall at uh, Console, but this was the biggest concert I've ever seen, and it also was the best concert I've ever seen. Hands down? Yeah, easily. Now, when you think Bruce Springsteen, before, I mean, before you had seen the concert, what were you expecting? Just kind of like um, he would get up there I, and kind of ramble through some songs? Well, no. Well, I don't know. Um, I remember his, he was a halftime show when the Steelers won the Super Bowl back right. in 05. 08, 08. 08, okay. Yeah, and so I expected something, I mean, I kind of had a mini look into what a real Bruce Springsteen concert looks like, um, but it was pretty amazing and his energy just continued and continued and continued I mean I was worn out just from having to concentrate so hard on following him running around stage it was crazy because you got these tickets last minute and it turned out you sat just 10 rows in front of us out of the entire arena yeah to be able to see you and you actually had better seats than us yeah row A it was pretty I mean no there was nobody in front of us we were at the first row of the second deck and so there was nobody standing up and sitting down in front of us. It was a sweet view. We were dead center. Um, I was dead center, like the most center seat you could get. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. Now, did you immediately rush home and download some songs? I didn't. Da- I set up a Bruce Springsteen Pandora radio station. I didn't download anything because I still, 
I've still got to narrow down my favorite song, my favorite songs. I have my favorite song that he performed, but I have to narrow down my favorite songs. Well, segueing in a little bit, I'll, I'll just say, I mean, I've seen him a few times and I love him, and I'll, I'll leave it at that because I could talk all night about him. How many times have you seen him? This was the third time, so I guess yeah. not that many, but... Well, more than The, the first time I ever saw him was in Pittsburgh when he went on his tour for The Rising, which was his album post 9-11. If you remember, they did that musical tribute. Right. And he did a few songs for that, so he was inspired to write an album. That's my favorite album. It's called The Rising. It's like kind of him coping with it, and the, he wrote about it. And uh, so I saw him then, and then I saw him in 2009, uh, my last day of my junior year at Penn State. He performed okay. at the basketball arena, and then last night was the third time I saw him. Alright, first time I saw Bruce. But we wanted to segue in, and we've been doing kind of a new topic every podcast, and the topic was the kind of the song of the week, and we thought we'd do a Bruce Springsteen uh, song in honor of the awesome concert that we saw last night. And uh, Philby, you wanted to go first with your song? I liked, he did Pretty Flamingo, and it was an older song of his, and that some of the band knew, some of the older band members knew, and some of the younger band members did not know, and so it was pretty neat seeing them get the dust off that record to play that song. Right, and um, I don't know how much you know about his concerts, but it was a portion of a concert where he takes requests and these requests are all just on billboards, so he'll collect the billboards in between some of the songs, and then they'll just find these songs, and the, you know they'll just play it as the band, which goes to show how talented they are. Right. Out of the entire catalog of songs. Right. That they can and just pick it up. I mean, and it's not just two or three people. This is maybe twenty people all on stage at once. Right. Right. Twenty people on stage plus. He doesn't take all the requests, but there were a lot of signs down there, a lot of billboards down there for requests. Now, you know who his drummer is, right? Uh, Max, from, Wein- from Max Weinberg. He's, he was Conan's drummer. Conan drummer. Right, right, right. He's probably the most deadpan uh, <laughs> member of their band. Exactly. <laughs> um, now, my favorite song of the concert, and it's one that I highly recommend, it's from uh, Greetings from Asbury Park, is Spirit in the Night. That was a yeah. great song. And I also just wanted to yeah. highlight... If any of you guys follow Bruce Springsteen, I mean, it's kind of hard not to, you'll know that in the past year, their uh, long-tenured uh, saxophonist Clarence Clemens passed away, and they hired his nephew to kind of take his place in the band. And if you read the New Yorker article about him, it said that he was very timid at first, like he kind of didn't really know how to step into his shoes, but if you saw him last night, you would know that it hasn't really been a problem since because he was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it just gave me chills thinking about the show last night. And during one of the last encore songs, they played 10th Avenue Freeze Up, kind of another old song. They have a portion of the song where the lyrics are, and the big man joined the band, referring to Clarence Clemens. And at that point, everything just stopped. It got dark, and they kind of played about a 30-second to a minute, uh, it was a minute, minute just a half. tribute to him. And it was really great to see that. I thought that was kind of one of the highlights. The crowd went wild. It was pretty sweet. Yeah, they just cheered for about two or three minutes straight for that tribute. Yeah, that was awesome. And I think another great thing about his concerts are, usually when bands try to stop and talk and preach, you just really don't care what they have to say, and it's boring, and they're trying to fill time, but Springsteen just preaches to the crowd, and he says such specific things, like he brought up an event from 1984 in Pittsburgh, because, I mean, keep in mind, he tours worldwide every single year, Right. and he brought up a singular event, a charity event that he did in Pittsburgh in 84 for the steel workers. It's like a, it wasn't a soup kitchen, it was like a food the bank. rainbow... Rainbow Kitchen? Rainbow Kitchen. Rainbow Kitchen. It was a food bank for steel workers, and he said that was one of the most, uh, the proudest things that he's ever done. And I've never seen an audience, 
of that size be so attentive to every word he had to say? So attentive, but you were also saying that there's no generational gap. It just spans every oh, generation yeah, it's, from... It's transgenerational. There were 12-year-old kids there, and there was the 74-year-old man sitting next to me. I mean, it was... And he does a little something for everyone, too. I mean, when he sang uh, Waiting on a Sunny Day, he brought a little girl up to sing with them. And when he played Dancing in the Dark, he brought, you know, moms up to dance with them on stage. Uh, also point out, if you watch the music video for Dancing in the Dark, uh, a bunch of people know this, but it's Courtney Cox's first role ever. She oh, yeah. dances in the music video on stage with him. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's wearing he's wearing his tight jeans, and he pulls her up on stage in the video, and he dances with her. The woman last night in Pittsburgh, the Yenzer, she was not Courtney Cox. She was a <laughs> terrible dancer. But uh, if you want a cool little tribute, you can check that out. Uh, we got a text from Neil Johnson today uh, asking us what fictitious creature could we own if we could own a fictitious creature as a pet, which one would it be? Which one would it be, Philly? Well, which one would yours be? Well, I think mine. We don't have too much time to think about this because we got this right before we started recording. But of all the things that I can think of, and there's not too many, I would say the hippogriffs from Harry Potter, which are pretty much just griffins that J.K. Rowling renamed. But they'd be able to have a horse with wings that could fly me around. And an eagle's head. And an eagle's head, right. Well, I guess that's her little twist on it, I guess. But uh, well, It's lion's claws, eagle's head, right? Yeah, it's pretty much the best of a lot of animals. And to have one of those, if I could tame it like they did and just kind of, you know, fly around better, better than a bike, it's a little, it's green. I want to go green with the hippogriff. Exactly. And I think that would be the best way, just stable one outside, maybe... Keep it as a pet. <laughs> uh, it would uh, kill a lot of birds with uh, one stone. No pun intended. <laughs> uh, I personally would choose the Nemean lion. Uh, it's a mythical creature. What, what is that from? It's the first of Hercules' 12 labors. Okay. Uh, he's uh, sent on 12 labors to prove his worth as a god to Zeus. And it... His first is to kill the Nemean lion. Is this in the cartoon as well? I don't remember. The Disney cartoon? Ignore the Disney cartoon one. Um, and it's the Nemean lion's skin couldn't be pierced by any mortal weapons. And so why would you want this as a pet? Because it would be awesome. It could be a sweet You would just lion. chain it up outside your house like beware of uh, this lion? No, I... If it's a pet, it's tamed, so I'd be able to control it. It doesn't sound like it's very tameable. It's got impierceable skin. You're just going to toss it stakes and be buddies with it? Well, I'd be friends with it. You own two cats. It would just be the same thing. Uh, Oh, excuse me. A cat is a little different from a lion that Hercules has to kill. Well, regardless... All I do is clean up after them and feed them. I I can clean up after a lion and... Just scoop its poop in the yard and give it raw steaks. Exactly, exactly. But it's... Put put a little beer and it's... uh, Occasionally, occasionally, and uh, it, the way her. So you're saying it'd be like a Turner and Hooch scenario. Have you seen that movie, The Tom Hanks? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'd be exactly like that. You'd, you'd grow to be friends throughout. Throughout, it'd be a. a I, I'd say they could probably make it about an hour and twenty minute movie. About the really you growing, as you growing as a relationship, mm-hmm. learning to live with a beast that can't be killed by mortal weapons. You know, I think I would pay to see that movie <laughs> to send the script out. All right. <laughs> now, if you follow current events like we love doing, you will see, or really if you just don't live under a rock, you'll know that Hurricane Sandy is fastly approaching. Who knows barreling, where it'll... Yes, barreling up north. The perfect storm, if you will, coming uh, not really near us, but around us. Uh, 
enveloping some uh, some of the coastal states. And uh, I just I pose a question to you: If you say you were living in one of these areas, I know it's hitting Philadelphia State College hard. Uh, say you live on like kind of a coastal town, not on the beach itself. It's it's not it's not going to destroy your house, but you need to stay behind and you need to shore it up. What what would you be doing to prepare it right now? You you are a survivalist, if you will. I I wouldn't consider myself a survivalist. They're kind of crazy. Um, I mean, I have the FEMA recommended three day supply of food all set aside. Wait, so what is the FEMA recommended three days of? Is it just, just three days worth of food per person in your house? You know, lunch, bre- breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So it's just like a non-perishable? Yeah, a non-perishable cans. Just cans of stuff. Yeah, I, I personally am fond of the Giant Eagle boxed soup because they're stackable um, and packable. What, does it just add boiling water? No, it's ready to serve. Oh, okay. Heated up. Oh, oh, yeah, okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they're, and they're like two for three dollars or something like that. They're pretty cheap compared to some of the Campbell's variety soup. But anyway... Um, just the the typical enough water per person per day and make sure your devices are charged up. Make sure well I've got a solar charger just in case. Um solar say, charger how now how does I mean obviously besides getting power by the sun, how does this work? Oh, solar charger for what is it? It's a solio it's a solio bolt and it has a USB connection and a micro USB connection so that you can charge any USB devices to it. Have you tried this out yet? Yeah, yeah, and it stores power for a year. So I charged it the instant I got it for Christmas, and then it's so I'm gonna have to recharge it this December. Have you used it like at your cabin and everything? No, uh, cabin we have electricity. Um, I haven't actually used it. I I used it a couple times over the summer, um, just for to be green for the day. You know, to mm-hmm. reduce the use of electricity on my cell phone. But otherwise, I haven't used it in a power outage situation. Now let's say your house is all shored up, what would you be doing to kill time? You're, uh, just, you're waiting out the storm? Well, I would have a three days supply worth of beer as well, <laughs> um, in addition to the three days supply worth of food and water. So if you're watching Workaholics on your iPad? I, I, as long as I had power, I'd be watching, yeah. I'd be trying, you know, on my cell phone, email, reading books, you know, reading books on my Kindle. I have to agree. I would be doing the same. I would also. I think it's fun. I, mean, I would love to go to a hurricane party. I mean, yeah. What other? I almost kind of envy these. Like, I have a bunch of friends who work in New York and Philly, and they just DC. They're more excited than anything because I mean, mm-hmm. what do you have to lose? They don't really own property. They just have apartments. They're just they're just weathering it out. I mean, public schools were. Yeah, they have work canceled, called off. Schools called canceled. Off. All the tea isn't up, or not the tea. The the T's Pittsburgh. The, I mean, uh, I mean, besides having property damage and you yeah. know maybe risking injury, and it, car I'm almost somewhat jealous that <laughs> we're not we get the worst part of it. We get a little bit of snow and just annoying rain. And put highly likely, just said on the news, highly likely that we'll uh, lose power for a couple of days. Really? Or at least lose power at some point. Yeah. Well, then I guess it's good that I got those two cans of soup and yeah, that I charged yeah. up my devices. Exactly. I got. We'll, my... hopefully, we'll hopefully we get this podcast out before we lose power. <laughs> this could be our last uh... podcast for a couple of days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what will people do without it? <laughs> now, while we're on the topic of uh, survival, you recently finally saw the Hunger Games movie. Now, you've read the books, right? Yes. You read all three. I read the first and a half. First one and the second half. The second one. I hear it trails off. 
Yeah, well, I mean, the third one shows off a little I'll bit. I won't spoil the books for anyone I mean, who hasn't read them. This winter, I'll complete the other. The, I'll complete the second one and the it's, third one. It's a good Kindle book because you don't really want to buy the actual book. It's just something to keep I, on there. I actually downloaded them for my mom today. She wanted the second one. She finished the first one. She's on vacation the next couple of days. Wants the second one and third one. Whoa! But yeah, the um, I just saw the movie and it was a flop. Of a movie. Now, why do you think it was a flop? Because, I mean, it obviously made bullets of money, like people thought. And I actually thought it was about the best adaption they could have gone, done, mm-hmm. given the audience. It's, it's like the Harry Potter movies, damned if uh, you do, damned if you don't. I think they didn't... Now, is it, is it a, an acting thing, a casting thing? It's a, not, a, not, not adaption? It's those. It's the adaptation. I think that the... Because they only changed minor things. But they didn't get any of the emotional aspect behind it. There's all this emotion of the inner dialogue that Katniss has about how PETA decides to go on training on his own. She, she spends so much time... But they mention that in the movie. They gloss over it. I don't think... I think that there were five points of the book where the but inner dialogue were essential to moving the plot along. They have to cut out a lot of it, though, for time's sake, though, so what would you have sacrificed instead? I understand that you have to cut out some of the time. Maybe some of the pop and circumstance of the, like, you uh, know, getting beautified. Yeah, and, and I mean, just, I think one line of dialogue, of internal dialogue could have compensated for some of that. Just... Just to show that it's... I think the character Katniss just falls flat compared to who she is in the book. Um, she's a much more rebellious girl in the book, and she just seems to be a grumpy girl in the movie. You know, it's... In the book, it's her against the world. In the movie, it's... She's yeah. just... In the movie, it's just more of the... Look at the, the romance between her and Peter and the will-they-won't-they, they, which is... Right. It's a big part of the book, too, but the book also delves into, you know, the... The dystopian government and the, the you know how they were repressed. You, you pick up on that, but I think the emotion that Katniss has drives that home, and they just don't have any of that emotion. In the movie. Will this prevent you from seeing the next two? Because you said it wasn't the actors and it wasn't really any of the set pieces. It was just how they developed it. Let me get through the the second half of the second book and the third one, and I'll probably end up red box. I mean, I red boxed it. I was at my cabin, so I redboxed it. I'll probably end up redboxing the next two. That's really surprising that you don't like it. I, I think they cast it well. I think. Oh, they did. They got they got Katniss right. I think anyone could have really paid, played Peta. Uh, Gail. Gail was good. Well, I don't know. Gail wasn't. Uh, I I imagine Peta. I imagine Peta and Gail are competing forces in the general book. Um, Gail being the. Sly, one that she likes to slink through the woods with, and Peta being the big, hefty, strong guy. I think. See, I got the opposite from reading the books, but I think you're right. I think Peta could have been heavier, uh, more not heavier, but more muscular. Like um, you? Yeah, you know, yeah, like me. <laughs> I I see myself as more of a Peta character, more muscular and handsome. Uh, anyway, and then uh, Gail, I think a little bit shorter, a little bit scrawnier, just because. You have to be nimble to be in the woods, and he just didn't seem to be that nimble. I think the only one they really needed to get right in casting was Katniss, but the problem I have with these these new movies that are for teens is they have to cast, really, the flavor the flavor of the week for right. these movies, right. and those two guys are just, you know, because the one's marrying Miley Cyrus, and the other one's kind of the up-and-comer, who's just okay, I mean, I just, I don't know. They, I mean, he didn't even, he wasn't, they had to dye his hair blonde, and he has to go around, and he just seems... 
He's just kind of the teenager that I kind of want to punch in the face most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me. Uh, I mean, I agree with that. Yeah, it just I just didn't like the movie. Well, that's unfortunate. But on that note, we've reached our time limit for this week's podcast, and what better way to end than me have, talking about wanting to punch a teenager in the face? <laughs> We'd like to remind you to follow us on Twitter. We are at Bendy Philby Show. Again, that's just at Bendy Philby Show. Follow us on there. Uh, spread the word. And until next week, we are signing off. I'm Bendy. I'm Philby, and thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. <laughs>